Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Have you ever been told to do something, but you just didn't do it for whatever reason? And then... Because you didn't do your job, somebody said, cough it up, boy. (laughs) Well, today we're going to see a little bit about that as we go through 2 Kings chapter 12, where Joash repairs the temple. Verse 1, in the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Okay, so Joash here, he was Jehoash, the long form of his name. At just seven years old, he was the youngest king to ever take the throne of Judah in Israel. And that was in the year 835 B.C. And just what does B.C. mean? means before Christ. Our whole dating system is based on the Lord, right? So I want you to take particular notice, though, how it says that Jehoash did what was right before the Lord, not all of his life, but only while Jehoiada the priest was alive to instruct him in the Lord's ways. So what you see is that Joash was a good boy while Big Daddy Jehoiada was around, but as soon as Jehoiada was gone, that means Joash stopped doing what was right. So apparently we see a major turn in Joash's character right here within the first few verses. He went from doing very well to doing really badly, and it was all dependent on the influence that Jehoiada had on Joash. Now there's a backstory to all this, and I found it in 2 Chronicles 24 verse 15. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both towards God and his house. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, who stood above the people, and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he also has forsaken you. So they conspired against him. And at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, 
but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. So from this story, you can see how important a godly influence is upon a person. Now, apparently, Joash didn't think he had to listen to Zechariah. Maybe Joash was a little older than Zechariah, and he felt superior in some kind of way. Uh, Maybe after several years of being king, and now with Jehoiada gone, maybe it all the power went to his head and thought, well, I don't have to listen to anybody anymore. I'm the king. He got arrogant, maybe, with Zechariah in a way that he would never have done with Jehoiada. But whatever happened, it says that when Jehoiada died, Joash started listening to the leaders of Judah. He started listening maybe more to politics than he listened to godly instruction. That's, that's something going on with America right now at the time of this recording. They would rather listen to politics. It's like the new religion. Everybody has picked their side, and they're all in on their party and their way of seeing things and all that, but they don't have time for God. They let these other leaders, these the other people got in their ears rather than listening to a godly influence. So now that you have this backstory here in mind between Jehoiada and Joash, I want you to notice how I want you to notice how 2 Kings 12 verse 3 says that the high places were not taken away. And so that's where the people did their sacrifices. They did them there on the high places. God never wanted his people to sacrifice to him on high places. The place where we get with the Lord is in the temple. We are the temple today, friends, but not in high places. God wanted to be worshipped in the temple that he already had in Jerusalem. Now, we have been reading for hundreds of years of Israel's history that they had long been consumed with the false god worship of Baal. And as a result, they had suffered from famines, from plagues, wars, enemies had come in and taken them over because they refused the blessings of the Lord God of Israel because of these false gods. Now, it says that even so, even though they did this, even though they're the troublemaker here, God yet still sent them prophets. He sent them Elijah. He sent them Elisha also to to warn the people to turn back, but they would not do it until finally God had King Jehu come in and he killed off Ahab's line. Remember that he killed Ahab's line off for pushing the Baal worship. And even Queen Athaliah, she got put down by the sword. And just when we think everything all got back into order again, we got rid of all the Baal worship. Now things are working right. All of a sudden, Joash abandoned every good and godly thing that Jehoiada ever taught him. Just when you think you got it all fixed up and figured out, the guy turned, the king, the leader, whatever the king's going to do, the people are going to do. So now we got problems coming again. He turned and listened to the wicked advisors instead. Now, this caused his character to change. Joash's character deteriorated here very, very quickly now. And because Joash turned away from the Lord, so did his leadership with him. And then now all the people are going to go right back into Baal worship all over again. Now they're not worshiping at the temple of the Lord. They're worshiping up on the high places, not in the temple of God. Friend, when we worship the Lord God, we worship down low on our knees in humility. We do not worship high, high and mighty. Oh, look at me. The Lord didn't want him to be worshiped that way, okay? 
So I just took you forward in time because of what verse 2 says, that Joash did what was right as long as Jehoiada lived, and then I showed you the backstory. But now we're going to read on in 2 Kings 12. We're going to go back now in time to when uh, to a time when Jehoiada the priest was still alive. I know I'm taking you all over the place right now, but we need to see what's coming. But let's look at what Jehoiada, what happened when Jehoiada was still living, because we need to see some of the good and godly things that Joash did do. And when I say the name Joash, that's the short form of King Jehoash, okay? 2 Kings 12 and 4. And Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found. Okay, so this was a time when Joash was actually doing right. This was according to Jehoiada's influence. Okay, so Jehoiada is still alive. Joash is listening. Okay, so we're, we're going good at this point. Now, King Joash wanted to use the people's offering money to build up the house of the Lord, repair it. And this is a very biblical thing to do here. It's okay to use that money, to use offering money to pay for a worship center. Something I'm doing with my church right now is we're looking for a building and the offering money that people give, that's going to get us there, okay? that's It's a biblical thing. It's okay. But I want you to notice that the king did not say, he did not say this. He didn't say, no, y'all just pray about it. The temple needs fixing, but y'all just pray about it, and then it'll be okay. I'm sure God will do something about it. Just pray, just pray. That's all you need to do is pray. No, that's not all he said. The intention was for the people to pray and use their faith together with their giving and their action. Okay, I think this is an important detail to observe here because a lot of people hate to give. Oh, my goodness, unless you got real believers in a church Asking people to give, it's like it's like you just insulted their mother. They just don't want to do it. <laughs> and people that don't like giving, let me just address that real quick. In their spiritual selfishness, I've heard it a hundred different ways. Well, I can't afford it, and they go out and buy a new car. Well, I can't afford it, and they buy a boat. I can't afford it. They go on a big, expensive vacation. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. You got to remember that widow that gave the the few mites, and Jesus commended her for giving out of her poverty. You really don't have an excuse, I can't afford it. So the people that hate to give, what they do selfishly is they like to over-spiritualize. Oh, well, I'll just pray about it. I'll pray about it, and God will make it happen. They won't give. They won't contribute. They won't commit in like we're supposed to. But they'll throw that prayer word around. Well, I'll, I'll pray about it, and we'll see what the Lord does. No. The king says, I want you to I want you to pray and I want you to take the money and we're going to go fix this uh, temple up. So when people say, let's just pray about it and God will make it happen, well, that sounds good, but they try to sound good so they can put a smoke screen over their refusal to give into the offering. Again, it said in the text we read, whatever God purposes for them to give, God will put in your heart what you should give. If you're saying, I'm not going to give, or that's a big church, the, oh, the pastor probably drives an expensive car, and you justify your way out of giving when God has put a purpose in you to give and you don't, well, you're in sin, and that's a big problem. It's not helping what God wants done for the people, the temple of, of God. 
So the people who gave to these priests here in our story, they did so with the understanding that their funds would be used to restore the temple of God, and that would bring their worship place back. So anyway, that was the responsibility of the people, was to give. But I want you to look at what happened next. The people did their part. They gave. But now look, 2 Kings 12 and 6. Now it was so by the 23rd year of King Jehoash that the priest had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Jehoash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now therefore, do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Okay, so first here, the people were responsible for giving to the temple repair. They did their part. But then when it was the priest who were not responsible for doing their part, they did not do the work. They didn't do with the money and and get the repairs moving like they were supposed to. The money came in great, but the priest just kind of sat on it. They didn't allocate the funds. They didn't hire contractors and they didn't go get workers. The priests didn't do their part of service to the Lord like they had been commanded to. And this is where a lot of people get agitated at church institutions because they give of themselves to ministers who end up just keeping it. And the money never gets used for what it was intended to do. And this is wrong. Now, friend, this never means that you shouldn't have to give. So let's say a pastor somewhere misuses the giving that came in, that is not a justification for you to go, oh, well, pastors are just greedy and they just keep the money, so that's why I don't give. No, that's not right, because remember, the Lord is going to purpose it in your heart on what you should give. What the priest or the pastor does with it, that's not up to you. You do what God tells you to do, okay? God will deal with the pastor that is not doing what he's supposed to with it. Okay, so look here. Joash stepped in to make some sudden and extreme changes here. He told the temple priests that they still had to get the job done, but this time they were to not take any more money for it. So uh, imagine the situation here. The priests took X amount of money for this first round, okay, but they kept it. So now they were still held to getting the same job done, but now the king forced them to dig into the money that they already had and get the job done done. You know, since the priests had proven themselves unreliable to manage the project, then now they had to take all that money and hand it over to him. Basically, the king was like, look, if you're not going to do it, and you already proved that, then I will. You didn't do it. I'm going to do it. So that's kind of cough it up. You cough it up. You didn't do your job. So try to imagine one of these priests, all this money came in from the constituents, And remember, Baal worship was a big thing back then, and maybe some of these priests got infected with that. So here comes all this money in from the constituents to repair the temple. Let's say, for example, one priest got 10,000 shekels or whatever, and I'm just making that up out of thin air. But let's say he kept 5,000 of it for himself, and he was going to do his own little business with it somewhere. Now, remember, Israel had been serving the false god Baal for a long time, so the tendency to be selfish was pretty strong, even to these priests. So the king gets upset that they didn't do their job. 
So he orders this guy to do the same job, get the same job done with the 5,000 that he had when he originally brought in 10,000 in the first place. Now, this was kind of like a slap on the wrist for some bad behavior here, because now if the priest misused some of that money and spent it off, now he's got to get the same job done without taking more money from the people. Remember, the king said, don't take more money. You get the same job done, but don't you go taking more money from everybody. The priest would have thought, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So I think what Joash was trying to do was weed out some corruption. I'd be willing to bet you that the priests who used some of this money for themselves had to figure some kind of way to pull the remainder of the money out of their ears if they had to in order to deliver the money that was expected of them to give for the temple repair. Wow. You know, Baal worship was still in these priests, and they didn't have a drive for the Lord, or else they would have gotten straight on the temple work. They had a lack of drive towards the temple of God. And so for all this time, the priest had been doing work in the temple as it was their job. They were in the temple working, but they weren't repairing. So what they were doing, it was nothing more than just, quote, religion. Now, religion is not a good thing. Some people think I'm religious. I'm not. I just follow the Bible and follow the Lord's righteousness best I can. But religion is what man does to tweak belief and faith into, a, into some kind of way that benefits himself. That's pretty kind of what religion is. So the king caught on to all this religious game playing, and it made him mad. So now he was going to make him cough it up. You cough it up and you get the job done. Give me the money and we're going to still do this. Now, remember in verse 5, he told the priest to take the money themselves and repair the temple. But since they didn't take him seriously and they didn't get the job done, he's about to make them pay up and hand the project over to someone else who will do it. You know, it's a downright shame that someone as high up as a king would have to leave his throne to come step in to intervene to do all the work that religion could not do. Do you hear a Jesus parallel in that? I'm going to repeat that again. It's a shame that somebody as high up as a king would have to leave his throne to come and step in and intervene to do the work that dead religion cannot do. Messiah Jesus did that for us when he saved us. 2 Kings 12, 9. Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest, bored a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar, on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord. So it was, whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money, which had been apportioned, into the hands of those who did the work who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to carpenters and builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to masons and stonecutters, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. However, there were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. But they gave that to the workmen, and they repaired the house of the Lord with it, 
Moreover, they did not require an account from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to be paid to workmen, for they dealt faithfully. The money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. Okay, so King Joash, he put a chest in the doorway of the temple courtyard and made the priests cough it up and put in all the money that had been raised for the restoration project. So they counted it up and they used it to pay the workers that had the right skills. They had the right uh, skill sets to repair the temple damage according to what was needed. So I want you to consider that the priests initially, they did not do their job. So there was a lack of commitment going on. But now here in verse 15, it says that when they paid the workers, they did not require an account from them. In other words, they didn't force the workers to sign any kind of a contract. You'll have it done by this date or by these you know, procedures. They just paid them, and they knew these workers would get the job done. Now, we went from not doing the work to everybody did the work so well that they didn't need to hold them to any accountability. What, what in the world's going on here? What we see here is that in the temple, where there had once been a lack of integrity, a lack of drive. Now, integrity had returned. So it looks to me like everyone involved in this project suddenly, what do you call it? Changed. (laughs) What's going on? Look at this. Now that the king and the high priest had got involved, it really prodded everybody to wake up. And now they started to see things differently. Now, They had a real commitment to the Lord now that the king and the high priest stepped in. Now they became motivated to do this work and so much motivation that they were not made to give an account for their work because everybody knew that they wanted to do it. Because it says in verse 15, it says they dealt faithfully. When someone works faithfully, you can see it. I mean, they're in there. They're just killing it. They love it. You don't need a contract drawn up to make them do it because they're there because they want to do it. When somebody works faithfully, you trust them. So integrity was once absent from the temple, but now that the king and the high priest suddenly got involved, now people are different. So now they're not coughing up their money. They're coughing up their service. (laughs) Things just got real, didn't it? Nice. So in verse 13, It says that all the money they had raised was not used for any of the temple furnishings. I take this to mean that there was only enough money for the temple restoration alone. The furnishings that were to be in the temple, those were the tools that the priests used to do their work when they did their temple work in service to the Lord. So let's say they rebuilt the temple and they get that done, but there's still no furnishings inside. Now, what a dead temple if there's no tools in there to get any work done, right? This is a problem. But where did the original temple furnishings go? That was something I had on my mind as I researched this, and I found it in 2 Chronicles 24. It says that the wicked queen Athaliah, she had broken into the temple of God and stole the furnishings to put them in the temple of Baal. So that's where the furnishings went. So now here's a new problem. The workers are about to finish the temple. They're about to restore it back up. But without the furnishings inside... How could the priest get any work done? Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.